0: You're listening to the Metro L.A. Podcast, an official podcast of the L.A. International Church of Christ. Good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Thank you so much for tuning in to midweek service tonight. Boy, I haven't spoken in quite a while right now. We've just finished wrapping up a nine-week series on restoration of roles. And I hope you've been encouraged in, in the congregation over the last nine weeks as we've been studying out that topic. But uh, I'm excited to teach tonight. Uh, let's dive right into prayer. Let's get into it. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray for our midweek service tonight that our faith will be built, our knowledge will be increased, our soul will be encouraged, and our faith will be challenged uh, to be more like Jesus as we talk about mission. Thank you so much for Jesus, most of all. Thank you for all of our members, uh, all of our families uh, in the church. God, we love you. We look forward to a great midweek service tonight. Bless our time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, tonight I want to do three things tonight. I want to share some highlights of 2021 so far. Uh, I'm going to introduce a series uh, called "Be the Church" tonight that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, and then Grace will close out with some closing announcements. Some of the highlights in 2021 so far. I want to take you back a little bit to remember that in the beginning of the year we did an in Him spirituality workshop. You remember that, where we did with Uh, turning point and the valley church and we were learning about new practices to put to put into our spiritual lives so that we can continue growing we've been doing a lot of new things a lot of firsts for us as a fellowship in the year 2021 we've had a metro caribbean service you know, in January that took place, where we got to experience the flavor of the Caribbean family of churches, and and later on this year, you're going to see uh, we're going to connect with the churches in the Southwest. We're going to connect with the Philippines, Lebanon, uh, Tijuana, and Ensenada. You know, it'll be a great time where we could just uh, get a chance to uh, spend some time and worship together with other services. Uh, we also finished our nine week midweek series called restoration of roles. And I really want to lift up Robert Carillo on this. You know, we were so fortunate guys to have a teacher who understands and uses the word of God appropriately to deepen our faith for us to look at the Greek and the Hebrew and to get great theological perspective from his use of the Bible. And I hope you've been encouraged by that. We are currently participating in a 12-week spiritual formation classes that are still going on right now. It's going to be wrapping up soon. We just finished our six weeks young Christians class that the Nelsons uh, did with all of our young Christians. Our squad has hosted over 11 events so far, uh, you know, since its inception. Uh, as always, we're also so delighted to share and participate with our Soul Sisters, with all the Soul Sister devotionals going on. I also want to update you about uh, the meeting survey that we took a couple weeks ago, and I just want to kind of talk to the church a little bit about it. You know, how comfortable are you with resuming regular worship services, physical distancing, and following the county guidelines? Uh, and, and many of us weighed in on this. Basically, 51% of our congregation it, it prefers waiting to see how things develop, but 49% are ready to kind of start going. Uh, another slide of the meeting survey, if we do meet, what would that look like? Uh, if we meet indoors, about 20% of our congregation felt like that would be appropriate or okay. Uh, 52% outdoor would be better Better to go there. And so, you know, we, we, we're kind of in this dilemma, right? We've been online for over a year, but uh, one of the things that we're going to be start to do is we're going to continue. We're going to st- actually not continue. We're going to start having dual services where we will continue our YouTube services every week at 10 o'clock. If you're uncomfortable meeting in person right now, or you just want to wait and see, amen. We totally respect your faith and and heart in that. And and we want to provide that. So we will keep our 10 a.m. online services. But in the month of May, we're going to start venturing to having outdoor services for those who wish to meet. So with that said, we look forward to what God is going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. Uh, For those that are going to be online, amen. Keep the faith there awesome to have you on that. But for those who are going to be venturing into outdoor services, remember, we're going to have safety protocols in place that we all are going to follow as we meet outdoors. Now, tonight, I'm going to be doing a series called Be the Church, a series called Be the Church. Have you ever wondered how a ragtag small group of ordinary unschooled men from Pal- and women from Palestine changed the world, and how the gospel spread in the first century is a phenomenon in human history. You know, in Acts 17 and verse 6, non-Christians commented in, in chapter 17 and verse 6 that these men have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here. Like, the early church made such a ruckus because of the faith that they had that they defied the Roman Empire. Their their faith and love, you know, uh, went to different cities throughout the Roman Empire and God moved in an incredible, incredible way. This is one of the pr- profound descriptions of the early church made by non-Christians who described the early disciples as people who turned the world upside down. And so early Christianity... And disciples transformed the Roman Empire and the culture in which they lived and by their selfless love and service. And they did it with less resources and less technology than we have. Imagine what we could do uh, as we focus and as we look at the example in the Bible. Now, how did the gospel spread? Well, they understood and participated in God's mission. And so we're going to look at mission tonight. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been, you know, last two years, I finished up my schooling. I got my master's in in in, miss, in missional leadership or missiology, which is a Christian discipline in the 20th century that studies all about Christian mission. I went back to school so that I can grow in my faith and grow in my theology uh, so that I can be a better minister and be able to meet needs and teach the Bible uh, as accurate as I can to the scriptures. And, you know, I've learned so much over the last couple of years and I want to share some things as we talk about mission. And, and what I loved about the last two years that I got a chance to participate in is my view of mission has expanded because I've had somewhat of a limited view of what God's mission is all about. And the early church, they understood God's mission, participated in it, understood it, and lived out their faith in a way that made such a huge difference in the world or around them. And, part of the reason why the church was so different perhaps in the in the uh, early church or in the uh, first century is because they understood what Jesus' mission was all about and God used them to change the world. And so we're going to talk about that. You know, what was the method of the gospel spreading? You know, the church in the first century was very, very mobile. They understood this concept that they don't go to church. They were the church, you know, be, they were called to be the church. They didn't just go to church. And, and I think we have to kind of, you know, COVID-19 has made us rethink how we do church. We haven't been able to meet in, in, in large gatherings. We've been all organized and structured in small groups. And for the first 300 years of the church, they were all organized in small groups. I want to show you a picture of one of the first house churches found in 232 AD this, this house church was called Durus Europa, uh, which was excavated in ni- in the 1930s and is one of the first house churches found in Syria. And, and it's this idea of understanding that the gospel spread not in large group settings. You know, if, if there's anything we learned, anything, a positive outcome, perhaps that has come out of a devastating time like COVID-19, there's a lot of, Tragic things that have happened because of covid nineteen but one of the positive outcomes of covid nineteen has has our church is perhaps more like the New Testament church now than ever before because we weren't able to meet in large settings, and we were all organized and structured in small group settings. I want you to look at this slide there were they were not only mobile the early church but they also understood that they were sent churches left the building absolutely. The the New Testament church was, was mobile and they were called, they were sent out into the world, out into the Roman Empire to, to practice their faith and to love like Jesus and God use them in a powerful way. What makes the New Testament church different is that it's also unique. You know, in the New Testament church, Jesus was the head. There's no transfer of power like in an organization. The Jesus will remain the head of our church. Robert is not the head of our church. Doug is not the head of our church. I'm not the head of our church. Jesus is the head of the church. And, and even if new leaders come in and go, come and go, Jesus will always, there's no transfer of power. Another thing about the New Testament church is that the Spirit led the mission. And that they were also a community of diverse people and diverse cultures that loved one another and the Roman Empire. And so what we're going to be talking about, I just want to show one scripture tonight. Because it's an overview of what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to get way more in depth than, as as Robert would say, the nitty gritty, right? As, as as he would say that, we're going to get way more in depth about expanding our view of mission. And one of the things that that... One passage that talks about mission so much is in Luke chapter four in verse 16 to 21. You know, my view of mission has really been about Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And, and when I say that, guys, I'm not, it's not a slant on that. It is. It is talking about mission. We're called after Jesus resurrected. He called the 11 disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and, and, you know, to baptize and to teach them to obey and to remember that Jesus would always be. That hasn't changed. But I want to add to that. I want to, I want to add and expand our view of mission that, that as we look at Luke 4, this, in academic circles, this passage is looked at as more of a holistic view of mission, a much more well-rounded view of what Jesus came to do. And we're going to look at perhaps his first sermon that he ever did. I'm not a hundred percent sure this was his first sermon, but it got to be up there pretty close to it. And, you know, first words matter. And, and I want to look at a passage here. And again, it's not going to be a major in-depth study tonight, but the weeks to come, we're going to dive into this passage, dissect it, look at it in all its beauty. In, in Luke chapter four and verse 16 to 21, Luke records, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, again, like I said before, I'm not sure if this is Jesus' first sermon, but it got to be somewhere up there, you know, near that. And... I love this passage because it gives us a broader perspective of mission. Remember, I'm not saying that Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it doesn't involve mission. Obviously, it does. It is something that we have been well versed in in our faith. But I also learned over the last couple of years going back to school that wow that there's other passages in the bible that that have a more holistic view of mission with that is multifaceted that is different than just that that is more than just making disciples of all nations also and that's what we're going to look at today and what i love about this passage in in luke chapter 4 that that luke records it's that mission is a, a broader topic here broader than just one perspective and it's like looking at a mountain, you know, if you ever looked at a mountain before and you see one aspect of the mountain, right? And and there's beauty to that. But if you go to a different, if you look at another angle of the mountain, you go to a different side where you can see a different perspective of that mountain, there's even more beauty to it. Or like, Imagine looking at mission as being in a house with one room, right? But there's many other rooms, but you've only been to that one room right there. And then later you find out, wow, there's all these other different rooms that, that, that is phenomenal. That's what my experience has been at looking at this passage. We've been in, I've been in one room looking at Matthew 28 for 28 years of, 29 years of my Christian life. And then I've been exposed to other rooms in the house that have different views of Jesus's mission, why he came to this earth and and what he focused on and that's how the church should be. The early church understood that mission and so you'll see the early church uh embody these five areas that that's what we're going to be looking at over the next couple weeks. Amen. One of the this this sometimes writers do this thing called it's called intertextuality, which is a it's a nice way of saying and a New Testament writer embeds an Old Testament text within the New Testament here to, to make an emphatic point or make a point that has deeper meaning. So we, so we look at Old Testament truths that are brought in by a writer to make a greater point. And Luke does this in this passage. He, he goes and, and makes a, uh, he brings a text in that helps us to understand the gravity of what mission is all about. In Isaiah 61, Luke records here. Uh he uh not Luke, but Jesus goes up and he's get, he goes to the synagogue, right? And attendant there gives him a scroll of Luke sixty one and then he reads it. And in and, and in that passage, it's the passage here, but verse 18 to 19 the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim. That passage there is what was embedded in, in this text. And Isaiah 61 talks about that passage. Isaiah spoke of a 700-year-old prophecy about the coming of the Messiah and his mission, what his mission would be like. And then at the end of Jesus reading that scri- that scripture, right, guys, his sermon was two verses. That's it. And then he sat down, and it goes to show you the power of the Spirit and the power of the word. And then he says, today that scripture was fulfilled in your hearing." It's like, it's like, you know, a 700 year old prophecy was being, Jesus was reading from. And at the end of it, he said, today that scripture has been fulfilled. In other words, mic drop, you know, uh, teens would say period, right? (laughs) Uh, It was such a profound statement that, uh, that Jesus was saying, that 700-year-old prophecy that was, that was talking about the Messiah to come, well, I'm he, that's who I am, and I am fulfilling that today, mic drop. And people were amazed at that. And then he went back and then he sat down. That was the end of his sermon right there. Two verses, we get a chance to see the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word of God. And people were moved by that. Two verses. What I want to talk about mission and make two points today. Number one is this. In verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim, and then it tells you the five areas of mission. The first thing I want to talk about about mission is that the mission is always spirit led. It originates with the spirit. It is something that is of God. It doesn't originate with us. It it doesn't, agency isn't involved with the people here. The agency is with God, meaning, meaning this idea of mission originates in the heart of God, in the mind of God, and Jesus is the one that comes, embodies that mission, and carries it out so that we can all look and see what it looks like to live uh, according to mission. And that's what I love about this is that, and as you see on the slide right here, the mission started on the bottom right and then went to all these cities here because it was spirit led. The first thing to understand about mission, it's not ours. It's Jesus's. It's the spirits. It is a work of God and, and you can't manufacture this. That's one of the reasons why it's such a phenomenon how the gospel spread with a, with a small Jewish sect, sect of uh, Jewish men and women who were unschooled, ordinary, and it w- caught like wildfire and just went through all throughout the Roman Empire, city by city by city, making a such, such a difference in it. Why? Because it was spirit-led. And that's something I want us to be challenged by, you know, is that it's always, always spirit-led. I mean, look how many verses Jesus used. He just read two verses, sat down, then he went and explained to the people what it all meant. The second thing I want to talk about today is that the mission was multifaceted. There were five five areas that Jesus spoke about, but more so lived out. And the early disciples watched that and were able to do the same. And that's what we're going to be studying out for the next couple of weeks. Amen. The, the mission was multifaceted. And for, for some of us, you know, that's a little bit challenging for us because We grew up perhaps on this view right here. Like if you had to, I've asked so many people over the years, you know, if you had to look at one scripture that defines our, defines our movement, what passage would that be? Most have said this passage, Matthew 28, 16 to 20 called the great commission. It has been our view of mission over the last 40, some 42 years uh, and and we even added to that, right? Mission was viewed as in one generation, we're going to make disciples of all nations in one generation. Now the Bible doesn't ever say that, but that is something that we adhere to. We we prescribe to that kind of theology, and and we were a group that was on the go for years, right? For forty two years. That has been our church's view, perhaps on mission. Now, along the way, I'm not saying nobody had other views on mission. Like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying for me, this predominantly has been my view to, I've been exposed to other ways of looking at mission. And, and like before, you know, the mission in Luke chapter four is a much more holistic mission that tackles poverty, that, that looks at freedom, for prisoners. You know, there was good news to the poor. Those who are God's kingdom would would be coming and, and it would be specifically for those who, who are left out, who are excluded. And look at all these areas over here. Good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of Jubilee. But our vision has oftentimes been all about just making disciples, that's how we viewed mission. But I want to expose us to another way of looking at it and and looking at these five different areas right here. You know, what's been so cool to me is while the rest of our fellowship, many of you in our fellowship are going to the 12-week spiritual formation classes, Grace and I have been int- attending... You know, Robert's spiritual formation, an eight week class that he did with about six other ministry couples from around the United States, you know, New Jersey, Boston, LA, uh, Cesar and Jennifer Lopez were from LA. We had a couple from Alaska in it. Uh, so cool, you know, to be part of a, of a little cohort of just going through spiritual formation classes together. And, and one of the things that, uh, that, that has been inspiring to me in it is, is expanding my view on spiritual practices, doing different kinds of practices and, and to realize that there's so much room for growth in our fellowship. You know, sometimes I think we, we, many of us are bored in our Christian faith because we've not been able to expand our view in in learning more about God and the Bible. And what I appreciate about a lot of our ministers now going back to school, getting theological education and theological training is that we're all growing too with it and learning more about God, learning more about the Bible so that we can become who we were actually meant to be the way Jesus and God intended for us to be in our own spiritual lives. Uh, and in our spiritual formation class, one of the things we studied was from this, this, uh, Franciscan friar or, or priest. His name is Father Richard Rohr. And, and he's a well-known speaker throughout religious circles. And, and you know, he's, he's not a member. He's not part of our tradition. But the great thing about going back to school is we can learn from so many different traditions. We're, we don't have the market cornered. On Christianity, on faith, on different practices, but that we we can be very hardline about salvation. My my view has not changed about salvation, which is very narrow in Scripture. But in terms of how we practice our Christianity, there's so much flexibility, so much room to learn, and that's what I love about you know what we're doing now in our congregation. Where we're doing many, we're doing a lot of new things. Those of you who are learning. We call it new, new practices now, but these practices are centuries old, uh, that we've been doing. The contemplative life, contemplative prayer, uh, meditation, you know, learning breathing exercises. But this, this man here, Father Richard Rohr, uh, Franciscan priest, he talks about this idea of everyone has two halves of life. That you have your first half of life that you live and then you go through different, you, are normally ambitious. You're, you're going for it. You're gung ho, but then, and there's a lot of things you learn in it. There's a lot of victories you have in it, but you start to realize, wow, there's some things I could have, there's some mistakes I made along the way. There's some failures that I've, that I've done. And then I've taken some hits and then you start to question, you start to, you realize what what were we doing? Like, why did we do some of the things that we did in our fellowship? And, and he, talks about this concept of the first half of life but also the second half of life and that the first half of life is glorious but the second half of life is where you have gone through some failures you have you've tasted the agony of defeat and when you fall you learn how to fall upward your thinking becomes different you you learn new perspectives because you realize i don't have it all there's a lot i don't know and We were looking about this in our spiritual formation class, and I thought, wow, I can look at our fellowship a little bit like that. In the first, in our 42 year history, in the first half of our Christianity, in our movement, in our Church of Christ tradition, we've seen God start 600 churches in over 92 countries. That's so amazing, right? That's so amazing to see what God has done in our 42-year ICOC church history, if you will, our tradition. And it has been a glorious time, you know, but we had some limited theology in that. You've probably heard it that the church is the kingdom, the church is only the kingdom. That that was a theology we had that mm, that was not quite true. You know, the, the church is part of the kingdom. The kingdom is so much greater than the church, so much bigger than the church. But one of our teachings we had was that the church equals the kingdom, that they're the same. And yet, as we look throughout the New Testament, when Jesus came, He came to, He came to start, He came to inaugurate and usher in the kingdom of God, which is a larger concept, the reign and rule of God. And to get in, repentance is required to get into the kingdom where we must change our, our thinking. We must have a mind change in order to see the kingdom, live the kingdom, understand the kingdom the church is a part of that kingdom. And, and it it was a glorious, even though our, our theology perhaps has been a bit limited in that, you know, God really worked through our fellowship. Even in mission, we've, we've had a limited view, perhaps of mission. Again, guys, when I say limited, I'm not saying it just was bad and everything was bad. I'm not saying that at all. Many of us became Christians because we were in this tradition. And, 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 prescribing to this kind of thinking and this kind of theology. But even mission being only Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is limiting. It Jesus came to do more than just make disciples. I'm not downplaying the making of disciples. Absolutely Every single Christian must be involved, should be involved in the making of disciples of all nations. That is something we will never get away from. But not only that, there's also other ways to look at mission that we're going to look at how, proclaiming good news to the poor. We must become a church that is involved with the poor and not just give money to the poor. And so I want you to be thinking about that. We've, we, and as glorious as this time has been, To see 600 churches planted in 92 countries, we've also had some mistakes and some failures along the way where we've had a limited perspective and theology. And that's the first half. But I want you to be thinking about what will be the next 50 years? What's the second half? Look, like think about your marriage for a minute, right? Think about your family, your marriage, you know, your career even, you know, like for my marriage, man, I, I love getting married. You know, George and Arlene just got married. David and Lexis are going to be getting married this, this Sunday and th- they're just starting out, right? And it's awesome. It's fantastic. But man, 20, 25 years, 20, I'm, I'm on my 26 year of marriage. My marriage is better now. I look forward to the, that's my first half, you know, the sec. I've been married over half my life. But what's the second half of my marriage going to look like? I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about that. And I'm also excited about looking at mission this way. What's the next 50 years going to be like? I may not even be alive for the next 50 years, but boy, I look forward to it by looking at Jesus' mission and expanding our worldview, expanding our mind about it. The second half of life, the kingdom of God is in play, but the church is the instrument. The church is the witness. We're learning spiritual practices right now that many of you are diving in and, and learning all spiritual practices slow us down. As we learn a multifaceted vision or mission in five areas, what will the next 40 years, 50 years look like? We're, gonna, we, we're learning to have a deeper perspective, a deeper theology uh, of scripture. And the second half of our life can be more glorious than the first. You know, as you go down and study out Luke chapter four, the you know what the crowd's response was? Some love Jesus. couple of verses on, they're ready to kill him. I mean, that's that's always how it goes, right? Some love Jesus, some hated Jesus. Now, as we close out tonight, remember tonight was, wasn't a Bible study, deep Bible study at all. We're going to d- dive into this as as we get into the next couple of weeks, and I'm so looking forward to it. We're going to look at proclaiming good news to the poor i read this book called hole in the gospel that you know what the hole in the gospel in first world churches in western churches is that we often neglect the poor we actually give money to the poor we we that's how we stay involved with the poor but we, we're not necessarily participating and involved in mission and 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 having and and being together, you know, and, and right now in a COVID nineteen environment, that's going to be difficult. But we are going to be talking about this because it's almost impossible to understand Jesus's missions without understanding how we're supposed to give good news to the poor and to be involved with the poor. You know, I was on an APMF call. I'm I'm a board member of the APMF, and I was on a call, and one of the brothers on the call, Philippines, is a rich country and resources and people in and, and, and natural resources, but overall have been considered a poor country with and 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 you know, I'm on a call where where I get to fellowship with people who are in, in more difficult situations than us in, in Western churches. And man, I I gotta be honest. You know, I was on a call with 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 different board members, and one brother had his mask on because he wasn't feeling well. You know, and in a, in an age where there's vaccinations in our group, there, some some are for vaccinations, some are against vaccinations. Like that, totally understandable. You know, we're we're always gonna have that, and 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 we want everyone to feel respected. And whatever you choose on the vaccinations issue, that that's your call in it. But you know, to be on a call. Where in March of 2021, the Philippine family of churches had more COVID infections in one month than they did all of 2020. And to see a brother on a call, you know, where he has his mask on, still in the mission, still wanting to be on the call, wanting to learn what's going on in the APMF of the churches that are giving. Just moves my heart. I I just discover God. I discover Jesus when I when I'm involved with the church in the Philippines. Every time I'm reevangelized. I'm reconverted. I'm saved all over again, and I think that's perhaps what it means to be continually being saved. Is my heart gets to be exposed to Jesus and God through other people and other situations, and I, I have an opportunity to to participate in that. It's so cool, you know. Uh, pro- proclaim freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight of the blind. Did you ever notice that in the New Testament, Jesus is always, he's he's around people who are blind, often blind. And I thought, how is it that he's around people who are bl- are are blind? Right? It's because he's that's part of mission for him. He wants to recover and give sight to the blind, so people can see physically, but also spiritually. And so, you know, there's so much to learn over these next couple of weeks. Setting the oppressed free, guys. The fact that we have a squad ministry that goes and just flat out has done over 11 events. I'm so proud of our squad group because we're in it. I've heard in the church sometimes, in in, in an effort where people are getting tired. You know, sometimes people get tired talking about the race issue like that. We can't. Why? Because social justice issues, justice theology, liberation theology is all part of Jesus's mission. So we're never going to get, that. that is something we're always going to focus on in our church because it's part of mission. It's part of who Jesus was that he came to set the oppressed free. So wherever there's oppression, those of us right now who are not African-American, I want to Ask this question. What have you done to learn about this? To get, to go, go to squad events, you know? What kind of documentaries, videos? Let's not be people who don't want to learn about this because this is part of Jesus's mission. Some of us were too hard-hearted in this and need to repent, man. And, and you know, I've been reading books. I've been looking at four or five different movies and documentaries that I've been given and I've seen because I want to grow in this. I've been so limited in this area. So much room to grow. And what I love about our squad group is we're diving into it. We're tackling difficult issues. Robert has tackled difficult, difficult issues like that. And I love the fact that we're getting in the messiness of of people's lives here because it is messy. And yet it's also part of mission. Amen. So, What is the church's role? It's to join in the mission. It's to participate in Jesus' mission. In the five areas, that's what we're going to learn about next week. You know, as I was on my prayer walk this past week, I came across this of the Behavioral Health Sciences building right across from our street. And as I was going by, I saw this and it just broke my heart. Somebody put there, I hate God. And there's there's a footprint there. Somebody pressing it against the door and leaving the footprint. I thought, wow. I'm so proud that we can be a church that that will grow in, our, in understanding mission as we make disciples of all nations. So what did we learn tonight? Our series is called Be the Church. How? By learning about the mission of Jesus. Well, what did we learn about the mission of Jesus in Luke 4 that is a more holistic view of mission? The mission is Spirit-led. It's always Spirit-led. The Spirit empowers mission, empowers disciples. The mission is also multifaceted. Remember, we're all living two halves of our life. We've seen the first half of our ICOC tradition. What will the second half of our ICOC tradition look like as we learn and expand our view of mission? Well, what is the church's role? Is to participate in mission. So as you go to your discussion groups tonight, what did you learn about the mission of Jesus tonight? What is one area you could grow in? And what is the Spirit calling you to be or do in 2021? As we close tonight, I want us to consider this thought. We will never change the world by going to church. We will change the world by being the church. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. Have a great evening. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.